Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Hello, Gavin. How's it going? It's going great. Can't complain. The weather's changing. Fall is here. It's my favorite time of the year. I'm excited to uh, get some things wrapped up soon. I start my new job next week, supposedly now, you know, thanks to... Oh, it's a it's a long story, but either which way, we're we're headed into my favorite time of the year where I get to relax, spend a lot of time with friends and family, eat, drink, and be merry. So I'm in a good mood. How are you, good sir? Uh, I'm doing quite well. Same same here. The fall is really a special time, even if you are in Southern California, and and it just means the mornings are a little chilly. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a great time. People tend to like come together, you know towards that festive end of the year but like there's just a lot of a uh, a lot of good spirit in the air and feeling great for sure and i mean for me pretty much starting what would be the week of thanksgiving we're like booked every weekend there's something going on there's a lot of family stuff going on when you have a large family like i do so just not to mention my extended family being huge big italian you know catholic italian family and then also my immediate family you know when you have two step parents and therefore a bunch of siblings and a bunch of nephews and nieces, you know, it's, it's just, there's a lot going on, but I love it. I love this time of year. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of driving going on, but it's, it's the holidays, but not quite, but almost. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm determined to get you guys up here at some point before the end of the year, maybe. I, I'm, I, I don't think there'll be much, coaxing needed or necessary yeah we've got to do a proper kung fu movie weekend where yes. we can sit back and watch a bunch of these uh ones and uh yeah especially ones i've wanted to review but like only i have a copy of right yep. and you know so we'll see we'll see but uh otherwise yeah ready to talk about uh the cool movie we're talking about today definitely of that classic kung fu genre uh anything new on your end down in the la area i mean in the la area we got a nice teaser trailer for a movie theater with some films coming up in uh november that's right so let's segue into martial arts movie news so the the teaser dropped for the new beverly cinema gavin and i are regular uh attendees especially of their monday night kung fu movie double screening they'll do Sometimes it's every month, sometimes it's twice a month, sometimes they'll go two months without doing it, but they dropped. So what New Beverly always does is before they drop the schedule, and at this point they may have actually dropped the schedule, but they'll they'll always drop a very impressive teaser trailer where it's set to great music where they make a montage of all the different movies they're showing. So next month they're going to be showing Snake in the Eagle Shadow for sure. Like mm -hmm. we know that's the Jackie Chan one. There's another martial arts one. Looks like early 90 kind of wuxia. And I, I couldn't tell which one it was necessarily. Uh, what else was on there that I mentioned? Uh, um, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. The original with Christopher yes. Lambert. Yes, that's on there. So that'll probably be a Friday or Saturday night. And unfortunately for me, it looks like I won't be able to make a Monday night one for like the next nine months, which yeah. is a bummer. Uh, but... And then there was uh, there was a couple more. Obviously, I mean, they're showing Kill Bill, which they oh. show a decent amount. But yeah, and I mean, there, there's some other films that are enticing outside of the realm that we discussed. Right. Oh, Tombstone. Like Tombstone. Yeah, I'd love to see Tombstone on the big screen. I've never had the chance. Uh, and and I, for the record, it's not posted yet. The okay. schedule. So Got we're it. still dealing just with the the glimpse teaser trailer that they do. But uh, that's what's going on. Yeah, that's now, what's going on in my neighborhood. That's basically kind of my neighborhood, more so mine than yours because yeah. you're so far. Yeah. But the the interesting part is. I could make uh, Sunday night screenings too, because with my new job I'm starting, I don't start work until like at the earliest noon on Mondays. So I okay. could potentially go to a Sunday night, you know, wake up at like 5 a.m. and leave your house and then still make it to work on time easily. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to see, wait and see what the schedule shows. As much as I'd love to see Snake and the Eagle Shadow on the big screen, I've also watched that film enough to where, uh, you know, It'd be a bummer to miss it, but it, not the end of the world. Yeah, I know. I understand. But there, there is something really special about watching the films that we love so much on that big screen. So hopefully, hopefully that's a double night screener. If it's just a one time, it's usually a Monday or Tuesday. But if it's a two night screener, then, then, then that obviously might hit one weekend, like a Sunday, Monday. Then maybe, yeah. you're, maybe you're trying that drive. 
Maybe, maybe, my friend. Okay, so another martial arts movie news. They just did the kind. So for a lot of movies, they don't really do it here as much, but in Hong Kong and China, they'll do the opening ceremony for like the first day of filming for a movie, and they just did the opening ceremony for Raging Fire Two, mm. with action directed by Nicholas Tse and produced by Andy Lau. Now, I don't know if either of them are going to be in it. Odds are it's an in-name-only sequel. I mean, obviously, Nicholas Tse's character died at the end of the first Raging Fire. Spoiler alert, but you should have already listened to our episode on it. And But we've had a lot of those great in-name-only sequels. I mean, I loved what would be SPL2, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or Kill Zone 2. And then even the third follow-up one, SPL3 or Paradox was also great. None of those had, weren't technically, they kind of were thematically, uh, they had a thread that connected them all. But yeah, so that'll be interesting. And Nicholas Say is segueing into action directing, which is cool. Because if I'm not mistaken, he's also action directing or directing the, the newest police story movie, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Yes, we did. I don't so, know if yeah. we talked about it on the episode though. So that is my oh, okay. news. I think we did, but uh, yeah, it's exciting stuff. Nicholas Say has been involved in martial arts and Hong Kong action films since like literally age 18. Uh, he may have been trained exclusively for the screen, but guess what? With 20 something years, on 20 something plus years under your belt, that makes you more than qualified to start doing action direction, especially when he's worked with literally some of the greatest of all time, Jackie, Donnie, uh, and then directors, obviously, uh, like Benny Chan uh, and others. So yeah, exciting stuff there. Uh, Looking forward to that. Otherwise, another martial arts movie news. Once again, I mean, a lot of stagnation still. Uh, SAG, AFTRA strike, or I mean, negotiations have broken down again. It was hinted at, I want to say it was like last week. They're like, it looks like we're coming to a, you know, close. We're going to come to a deal. And then now it's all blown up again. It's just, I mean, man, I don't know how these two parties are going to agree. And the interesting part is the the articles are always so kind of convoluted. You're like, wait, who's like, okay, I get it, but I don't, you know, and I understand what they're fighting for. And it's like you don't quite get why the studios aren't willing to negotiate the amount. But then remember, there's two sides to every story. But then SAG is always saying that the the representatives for the studios are the ones lying and putting out misinformation. But once again, two sides to every story. So, uh, I mean, I have a tendency to obviously lean towards SAG be after as being the the ones that possibly we trust a little bit more and obviously i feel for all the actors but then now i'm seeing articles about certain like sag members posting about possible corruption within the actual leadership of sag aftra and where that money really goes etc cetera, etc cetera. but then you wonder so is this actually just a you know a campaign by the studio unions to try to dismantle sag aftra like i don't know i don't know man well I know that living in LA is definitely affecting a lot of a lot of folks, a lot of families. Um, so hopefully there's a resolution soon. But I mean, realistically speaking, I don't think we're going to see a resolution until early next year. I did think say, that's when did we, you say revolution or resolution the second time resolution? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought the, the second time revolution. I, said, my I was friend. like, man, the revolution is coming. It's coming, yeah. man. You're gonna make me want to pull up a quote from uh, Under Siege for this uh, this week's episode, but oh, but but it'd be a lot of, of typing which, for me to do that. Yeah, let's let's segue into movie quotes. So, do you have movie quotes for me today? I do, I do, All and right. it's in it's in the vein of maybe not the world's greatest master, trying to link it a little bit to to some some of the experiences our protagonist experiences in the film we discuss later. Visualize. This is not a bunch of sticks and pipes anymore. This is not some pathetic mugger who needs a couple of dollars so he can eat. No, this is a deadly, hungry, wrecking machine who wants to, t- to detach your head from the rest of your body and mount it over his fireplace. Oh, I should know that. But I, I mean, it, it, it sounds like something Terry Silver would say, but it's not Terry Silver. I know that. How sure are how sure are you that you know that? Is it Terry Silver? Is it Karate Kid Part Three? It is. Oh my God! Wow. Okay, it's so weird. It's like I 
I saw him saying, is that when it's before he's about to start punching the wood? Yes. And okay. then after that, it's like, it's blood. Oh, wow. So what? Yeah. But yeah, that's the that's the speech leading up. That's what motivates. That's what that's the dysfunctional oh. master motivating Daniel's son to hit hit the very hard wood. Now it is okay. Now it's like subconsciously I knew. That's why I I said that now it's coming back to me where it's because the music. It's like the crescendo with the music that mm-hmm. picks up right there. And for some reason, I feel like that's what uh, grabs my attention more than to what he's actually saying and the tension that builds up between like the looks on their faces and stuff. So excellent quote, definitely fitting for today's episode. Well, it's and, my pleasure to serve. Yes. So for today's episode, in honor of the passing of martial arts film legend Manghoi, which we mentioned last week, uh, his unfortunate passing, we have decided to review the 1979 or 1980, depending on your source, Hong Kong martial arts kung fu extravaganza, The Buddha Assassinator, uh, directed by Chin Wu Tung and starring... Meng Hui and Huang Jing Li, uh, along so, with some other uh, classic, you know, actors from kung fu cinema, including uh, Yuet Sang Chin, uh, Fei Long, uh, which is nice to see him kind of in a more modern Hong Kong style one, mm-hmm. uh, amongst others. So, yeah, Meng Hui, being a, a legend of martial arts cinema, didn't actually have a whole lot of starring roles. In fact, he really only had. He had some major supporting roles, like that was for sure, and some absolute classics. But really, he was only the star of what would be two films, this one being the one film that he was like the solo headlining star of, which is why we decided to review it. But The Buddha Assassinator, this film, and Hell's Wind Staff, which he uh, was like the the co-lead in. Uh, And most of you probably know Hell's Wind Staff as a song by the Wu-Tang Clan off of, I think, their second album. So yeah, The Buddha Assassinator, uh, fantastic name for a film also. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, was my second time watching this, I believe. I had seen it a couple years back, uh, but only in recent years. This is definitely a streaming one that I, I didn't have access to as a kid. Would have loved to have had this. It's definitely of that classic kung fu movie style. Uh, how about yourself? Was this your first time watching it? This was my first time okay. watching it, and it was really a breath of fresh air because, you know, we've... We've watched a lot of films and rarely do uh, rarely do we find a new film from from the treasure chest of in this case Tubi, but in the, from the treasure chest of of that era of film that's new to us and that keeps it together and is of decent quality. The the version yes. we have, so a lot of two. I mean, there's so much on Tubi, but some of them are those really bad copies where. It's not even formatted correctly and the action falls off the screen. This is one of those ones where formatted, you can see everything, and the actual quality is uh, in the terms of old school kung fu movies, solid. Like this is the solid like VHS copy you had as a kid, which was great. No fuzzy disc, no distortion. So that's always a plus too. But you are right. This is kind of one of those ones where... It's it's a nice as I said I didn't see it till a couple of years ago uh, at the earliest so it's a later one and it's always a lovely surprise when you get to watch uh, a film you haven't seen before from the classic era and that's why I always say I haven't seen every kung fu movie you know or every Hong Kong martial arts film or even any all of the classic ones and I kind of like that because I like every even if it's only every couple of years I finally have access to a film like that and you know because then. I get something new, something new from the classic era because we don't get anything new that can really replicate that classic era. Uh, spot on. And I and what I really appreciate about this film is the, the balance that it has between um, the balance that it has between the comedy, the hardship, the training sequences, the great Kung Fu sequences. There, It's... It's clearly produced well and put together well, and it fits within the A-line cinema of that time from this genre. It's really well. It's really a very nice package film. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's very reminiscent of the other films of that era. And you can't even, in this case, use the word derivative it just has a lot of the kung fu movie tropes so i mean a lot of these films were borrowing elements from each other or had similar plot elements 
Uh, and so you can't really say, oh, it's copying this movie. It's like, well, because technically that film copied this, that film and this film and that film, you know, so it's, it's a comfortable familiarity, which makes you happy. Not like, oh, I've seen this before. It's like, oh, yay, I'm watching another movie of the style that I love. Mm -hmm. And Meng Hoi is, is such an interesting character because once again, he had tons of co-starring roles in a lot of classic films. And we've get to, we've got to see him throw down in a lot of those films, usually as a supporting, not as good, but sometimes competent martial artist or fighter. I mean, like Pedicab Driver, you mm -hmm. know, he's able to back Samo up, but he is nowhere like at Samo's level, uh, you know, even in uh, Lady Reporter or Blonde Fury, which he also directed, he gets mm -hmm. to throw down a little bit. In the very first Kung, real Kung Fu movie I ever saw, Incredible Kung Fu Master with Sammo Hung, he has a supporting role in that one where same thing, he gets to throw down a little bit uh, and does a great job. So it's it's interesting to see him in a starring role because his skill set was very fitting for classic Kung Fu, being that he, like Jackie, Sammo Yuan, uh, Wu Ping, Yuan Biao, came from the Peking Opera. He came from... Uh, the other opera school, not the one Jackie and Samo and them came from uh, the one run by UNU Jim or whatever. He came from the spring and autumn drama school. The same one Lam Ching Ying came from, uh, Mars, Chinkar Lok, John Lone, which is funny, you know, the well-known uh, Chinese-American actor. Uh, yeah, and so, and I also went back and watched an interview of Mong Hoi where he confirms uh he doesn't say the name, but he says the other people he went to opera school with, which was mm -hmm. Lam Chinging and so forth. Because a lot of times there's this misconception there was only two schools, like the two rival schools. But in this same interview, Mang Ho even says there was pretty much four main schools. So, you know, a lot of times I feel like, and even some of the information I just said, maybe it's slightly off. Maybe some of those people went to one of the other ones. Because I think it's kind of, there's a... Uh, tendency to just lump everybody into those two schools when in actuality there was multiple schools that people may have come from. Uh, so, and obviously there was a few players that were from Taiwan that came from the main one in Taiwan, such as Angela Mao. But yeah, his, Meng Hoi's skill set, now he became an incredible fight choreographer for like the modern kickboxing Hong Kong style era. I mean, behind the scenes, he was involved in tons of films, but I mean, some of our favorites, including being the fight choreographer for, for No Retreat, No Surrender. Uh, he was, you know, working. He started off kind of as a protege of Sammo. He even said so in this interview, but really later on, him and Corey Yuen formed a mm -hmm. bond where they worked a lot. And obviously he was in front of the camera and behind the scenes on, you know, Yes, Madam. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's funny because looking at his, uh, obviously his IMDb records, I mean, he's nominated for choreography that he shares a lot with Corey Yoon. Uh, but what the one film that really stands out to me from that, from his list is actually the 1996 film, the blade, ah. uh, because in, in many ways he's, I mean, he's working with, uh, UM Boone, who's part of that. It's kind of that circle, but, uh, it's just such a dynamic film and all of his choreography, all, every film that he's worked on, the choreography is, uh, extremely dynamic and cutting yes. edge. I mean, the, the stunts are harder than you see in other films and everything's faster. The strike, it's just looking at the films that he's been engaged with. It's, it's hard. You see consistency across, across genres but you, and you see his fingerprint, his distinct style while he's also collaborating with so many other artists. It's really, it's really a, a very unique, journey down his choreography path yeah and for uh once again mentioning so he ended up being this incredible choreographer for both traditional kung fu and modern like hong kong kickboxing style but he himself typically and mostly this is because probably the characters he was playing as a supporting role that wasn't supposed to be like the best fighter when he was you know uh excuse me when he was in front of the camera utilizing that modern style he always looked good but he wasn't supposed to be great like heart of dragons another great one where he gets to throw down right as one of jackie's uh police comrades but getting to see him do traditional kung fu that is kind of i think his his highlight and when you watch him in these more modern roles you think oh yeah he's good but you know same thing with like even Corey Yuen, it's like, okay, yeah, he's good. 
but maybe he wasn't the best. But no, when you watch them do traditional kung fu, especially earlier earlier on, you're like, wow, these guys were incredible. And so this film, The Buddha Assassinator, is a great display for his skill set, his athleticism, because, I mean, as far as like northern kung fu and acrobatics go, phenomenal. But then he also does a lot of great uh, hard display with the hands, you know, kind of more what we associate with being like Southern style, but in this film where he learns both the style of the bad guy and the good guy. And so we get to see him do great acrobatics, you know, flips, fan kicks, but then also some really good hand techniques. And it's also funny because Mang Hoi always had kind of a chubby face, right? He had like the baby fat face. But in this film, and he was still young enough too, you see, even though he was very tiny, you know, he had an athletic build which you don't really expect. He's kind of like a little cannonball. Uh, but you're like, oh, wow, because there's a few scenes where he's, you know, fighting and or training without a shirt on. And you're like, wow, he was actually, you know, an athletic dude. But mm-hmm. focusing now on this film, The Buddha Assassinator. And once again, when we get in this film and talk about the names, here's the interesting part. With the really famous players of Hong Kong martial arts cinema, it was always twofold. A, there was usually a lot more consistency with their Chinese screen name. At worst, it was sometimes they would be credited under their Cantonese name or they would be credited under their Mandarin name. But usually there was a lot of, there was more consistency with whatever name was used and the spelling of said name. On top of that, they almost always had an English name too to go along with it, which helps in terms of discussing a film or being consistent with the, uh, their filmography, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now, not always the case. Someone like a classic example is La Garlong, never had an English name, but typically he went by La Garlong, occasionally went by his Mandarin name, uh, Liu Jia uh, Liang, Liu Jia Liang, I think. Uh, but so in this film, we have a few players that didn't actually really have an English name or, you know, wasn't always consistent. So once again, we apologize if we get some of the names wrong. But uh, basic premise of this film, The Buddha Assassinator, because even the director of the film, uh, on the actual screen itself, it's Chin Wu Tung, but like, for example, on IMDb, it's Chin Hu Tung. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, one of our co stars of the film and the co fight choreographer with Corey Yuan, uh, Chin Yuet Sung, a classic uh, kung fu movie actor, choreographer, uh, also from the, the Peking Opera of Hong Kong. His name I've seen spelled literally, and if you go to like Hong Kong movie database, it's like AKA, and there's 20 different spellings for his name, and there is no English name for him. So it gets a little confusing. But the basic premise of the film is there's two rival styles. Once again, nothing new. We have the Lohan Fist and the Buddha Fist. They came from the same school, but then the Lohan Fist wanted more power. So they teamed up with the evil Ching to eliminate the Buddha Fist. So now the Lohan Fist are in power. The Buddha Fist, there's only one master remaining, which is uh, the crazy monk played by Chin Yuetsang, uh, who is at the Shaolin Temple, where our main protagonist, Xiao Hai, played by Mang Hoi, is kind of like a servant, a janitor, him and his uh, adopted auntie. They pretty much do all the chores for the monks, and the monks are a bunch of jerks. They treat uh, Xiao Hai quite mean. It's it's in fact it's almost off putting because you're like, aren't they monks? Like they're just a bunch of jerks. Even the head monks don't ever stick up for him. Usually, like I in know. that scenario, you'll have a head monk that's like, you must be kind to Xiao Hai. <laughs> the head monks are yeah, the head even monks worse. Are just as bad, yeah. So, uh, and it ends up that. Xiao Hai's aunt is actually part of a rebel group that wants to assassinate the evil Prince Yi, played by the one and only Huang Zheng Li, the super kicker of Hong Kong martial arts cinema, the Korean Taekwondo expert, one of the greatest kung fu movie villains of all time. Uh, so they plot to assassinate him as he's visiting the temple to pray, and inadvertently, not really knowing the whole situation of what's going on, Xiao Hai ends up saving him because he sees the assassin's about to get him and yells out, assassin, and saves him. So therefore, he becomes in the good graces of the prince, and the prince kind of starts spoiling him uh, and, you know, just letting him tag along. And so he tries, Xiao Hai, now that he's got this kind of high position, tries to get back at the monks. But then, you know, he's all he's doing is treating them the same way they treated him. And what do they do? They violently attack him excessively yeah and then the the prince's uh kind of main uh 
servant guy. Uh, I'm not sure what that actor's name is. Uh, I've seen him a lot. He has two servants, uh, one played by uh, Fei Long and then the other played by this guy. He decides not to help Xiao Hai because he doesn't like him anyway. So these monks pretty much beat him up and it's like, what, man, these are terrible monks. But anyways, Xiao Hai becomes kind of uh, a spoiled uh, little tag along to the prince who doesn't really like him necessarily, but is just kind of keeping him around in case he can use him for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the prince discovers that Xiao Hai is friendly with the crazy monk and that the crazy monk wants Xiao Hai to spy on the prince. The prince finds this out and decides to reverse spy on the crazy monk by teaching. And once again, there's a, there's kind of some logic. You have to suspend some sense of logic in this. So prince, the prince, he decides... Okay, I'm going to teach my martial arts to Shao Hai. That way he goes back to the crazy monk and I can spy on the crazy monk that way. Well, the assassins come after Prince Yi later in the film after Shao Hai has now been learning the Lohan Fist and he saves the prince once again and kills one of the assassins who ends up being his aunt. And obviously he can't let the prince know and he's devastated. So he goes to the, the crazy monk and the crazy monk says, no, you have to keep spying on uh the prince mm-hmm. then pretty much the the prince and the crazy monk have a bit of a showdown in which the crazy monk escapes at this point the prince doesn't need Xiao Hai anymore and orders his execution he escapes meets back up with the crazy monk the crazy monk now decides to teach Xiao Hai the buddha fist so now Xiao Hai has become a master of the Buddha fist and the Lohan fist. And in the, obviously the finale you'd expect coming, he has to save the crazy monk from Prince Yi and is able to use both styles to defeat Prince Yi. And that's the basic rundown of the plot. Yes. So are there any sequences? So there are a lot of, for me, there are a lot of great sequences in this film. There is one that like when I saw it, I'm like, hold on a second pause everything else around me not that i was doing anything else but just let me go back and rewatch this uh were there any scenes like that for you uh particularly from the martial arts training sequences oh yeah so but i want to make a uh a note here that this is one of those films where for the it's 90 minutes the usual running time for the first 45 minutes you actually don't get all that much martial arts action mm-hmm. there's the opening sequence where they're giving you the narration of Long before the Lohan fist and the Buddha fist came from the same school. And it's the classic like red room. And we have a fight scene between a Lohan fist representative played. uh, Well, actually, I don't know which ones. Yeah, I think that's one's played by Corey Yuen. And then the Buddha fist one played by uh, Chin Yuet Song, but it's a whole different character. So outside of that, the first 45 minutes is more. There really isn't a whole lot of martial arts action. And the stuff there is is kind of more comical, like the Shao Hai character getting beat up. But right at the 45-minute mark, once Shao Hai starts learning the Lohan Fist from the evil prince, that's when it becomes just your standard kung fu movie. We get a lot of great training sequences and a lot of fight scenes. So if you're watching this and you're like, man, this is kind of a slow start, the second half is like nonstop training and action, which is great. As for me, uh, sequences that stand out, well, there's one little stunt sequence in the first 45 minutes that stands out, and that's when the crazy monk once again, saves Xiao Hai when he's being attacked in a gambling den. Mm-hmm. And so they're all like, there's like literally eight guys that jump on top of Xiao Hai on a table. And then Chin Yut Sang playing the crazy monk. The crazy monk is on the second story of this standard kind of like tea house that set that you see in martial arts films. And he does a backflip off of the second story and it shows in slow motion and lands on top of what this pile of about <laughs> 10 guys is. Yeah. And just that stunt, you're like, holy crap, because you see him kind of like his body bounce off of it. And you're like, uh-huh. I don't care who you are. That had to hurt. But, <laughs> yeah, I know. But otherwise... There was a lot of great sequences uh, that just the training in general, as I said, seeing Mong Hoi get to do a lot of these forms and training. I really mm-hmm. liked the Lohan fist style that Huang Zheng Li represented. And yes. his first display when Xiao Hai is first spying on him, yes. he, he's in like a, a secret room where he trains. It's like this red lighting. That, and is that the one you were talking that's about? That's for me, absolutely. Yeah. So that Agreed. you're right about the, the, the gambling hall fight sequence. It's, you know... It's sort of jarring because it has been not a it's kind of been a comedic film up to that point. Unlike last week's film, it kind of blends. It's not like this uh, discombobulated beginning. It, it works. It's a story narrative wise. It all fits together. Then there's this 
gambling hall sequence, but that training sequence uh, is just so beautifully shot. And I mean, it's just so well executed. He, it, you, you, we get to see a master actually going through forms, and it's, it's. Uh, I feel it's the best Huang Zhang Li's ever looked doing quote unquote kung fu. Because for those of you yes. who don't know, Huang Zhang Li is a Taekwondo master. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, even outside of film world, he's a very well respected expert in Taekwondo, one of the greatest kickers of all time. And he's always looked amazing doing Kung Fu. I mean, as the Eagle Claw Master in Snaking the Eagle Shadow. But for some reason, this Lohan fist style he utilizes in this movie, and odds are this has to do with the choreography from Chen Yuetsang and Corey Yuan. It just fits his really hard style. It's very, uh, like most of his stances are with fists and uh, uh, the shapes and postures are actually those you would see in a traditional either Tong Su Do form or Taekwondo form, but kind of on a Kung Fu framework. And it just really suits it, watching it. I'm like, that's the Kung Fu I want to learn because I, I feel like I could do almost all of that, even with the kicks. Like, and it just looks like a really cool, hard style. Now the Lohan fist style he utilizes That is, it is very reminiscent of the style that Jackie actually learns from the unicorn and fearless hyena because it Mm -hmm. utilizes like sleeping and tired and emotions. But I mean, once again, there's been a few films. I mean, hell, there's an actual movie called The Sleeping Fist with Beardy. So, but that sequence is really cool because that's kind of our introduction to the Lohan fist and Huang Jing Li style. So from there, there's another, speaking of kind of reminiscent of fearless hyena, there's also the sequence where, uh, Shao Hai takes on the two henchmen with Fei Long being one of them. It's very reminiscent of the spear fight at the end of Fearless Hyena with the henchmen. But just once again, it's not like you watch that and you feel, oh, it's ripping it off. It's just like, oh, okay, it's similar. And it's once again, really well executed. And that's another great slow-mo stunt where he finishes them off where one of them, one of the bad guys is on the bottom. The other bad guy's in a barrel that rolls on top <laughs> of him. Then... Shao Hai does like a flip through the air and lands on them in a Buddha palm position, like seated. And that's another Mm -hmm. great stunt where you just see it in slow motion and whack. And you're like, ooh, that had to hurt all of them. Uh, Yeah. Everything. Yeah. No. Go ahead. No, no. It's that's, I think that's one thing that's indicative of, um, of Hoi Mang's career or Mang Hoi's career. It's, while while sometimes when he's like, as you pointed out before with Pedicab Driver, where he might be like the backup to Sammo Hung, it might not be as uh, skilled as Sammo Hung on screen. Maybe that's just a character choice. Maybe that's real life. But the stunts, he does not pull out of stunt work. Some of the crazy, uh, the films that he's in, so many of the craziest stunts happen around him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's so, I mean, he, he well, takes some... Go ahead, please. Oh, I was going to say, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall, uh, that the ending of Heart of Dragon, where they all jump out of the building while it's exploding, yes. I think he's one of them, right? It's like him he and Wah. Like, that's an insane stunt on its own right there. It was one of the highlights of that documentary that came out a couple years ago on Hong Kong Semen because it's just such a bonkers stunt. Like, you, you nailed it. Mong Hoi was a fearless stuntman and performer because... In fact, I think it's some other people in the documentary even say, like, I wouldn't have done that stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no. yeah. So it's like even even uh, I, I don't want to say even in a film like this. And when I say like this, I mean, that's shot in 1979, 1980, as opposed to mid career. Now we really have to ramp up the, the mid 80s where we really have to ramp up the stunts uh, just because that's what the audience demands. He's doing stunts that are just a cut above what everybody else is doing and and just on the other side of dangerous i mean he's doing dangerous stunts and they're fun to watch yeah agreed uh i mean and it's really interesting because in preparation for this i was thinking like if he was to have done like a starring role in a more contemporary not more a contemporary setting i could have easily seen him as part of a duo like uh an offshoot, you know, like Pom Pom or Aces Go Places, like if he would have had a franchise where he got to co-star with another 
supporting like him and Yuen Hua. Could you imagine if they had like as a duo playing good guy detectives or something where we still get some phenomenal martial arts action, but the whole point is they're not necessarily super competent or not, not, yes. not necessarily super competent, but they're not the best martial artists necessarily, yeah. but they're able to finagle their way through stunts and stuff to beat the bad guys. Like I think absolutely that would, it would have been a real treat had he had a modern franchise he got to do. But I think really instead we were treated to his behind the scenes work. And it should be mentioned one of also his most well-recognized supporting roles is in Zoo Warriors, right? And he mm-hmm. does an amazing job in that. So he's one of those guys that, and no shame in it, was just, he's one of the unsung heroes of Hong Kong cinema, not only behind the scenes, but in front of the camera as well because of what a great supporting actor he was. And sometimes well, some actors, that's what they do their whole career. And that's amazing for us. Well, because- I, I, I personally love the fact that his uh, profile picture on the internet movie database, IMDb, is strictly, is straight from uh, Millionaire's Express, yeah. Shanghai Express with uh, Wu Ma. Wu Ma, yeah. It's they're in their prison outfits when they're trying to escape. And that's another great role of his. Once again, that's an ensemble piece. But he gets to do some comedy with someone like Wu Ma. Uh, and then he also gets to throw down at the end in the finale. But he's, you know, and he has some skill, but he's not that skilled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once He's just so many great roles he had. And it, it's very sad that, you know, he passed away so young. But back to the film at hand. You mentioned sequences I like. Obviously, there's that training sequence. All of, you know, especially once when Mang Hoi at the end now is learning his second system, the Buddha Fist from Chen Yuet Song. I really love that whole training sequence. And I think it has to do with the skills of the two of them because mm-hmm. Huang Zheng Li doing the Lohan Fist, his whole style is much different than Mang Hoi. Mang Hoi is a, by trade, a Northern Kung Fu practitioner, uh, very acrobatic, right? Whereas Huang Zheng Li in real life, as we mentioned, a Korean kicking uh, sensation. So now he gets to go learn the Buddha fist, uh, under, you know, the crazy monk played by Chin Yu Tsung. Uh, and they both have the same background, right? Like a Northern Peking opera. And when you get to see them do their forms and stuff together, it's a real treat, especially when they're in sync with each other and kind of doing these acrobatic movements and these deep stances. And even the way they utilize like kicking up the dirt and visually, it just adds a really cool element there that makes, uh, doing all the forms and so forth, very captivating, very visually stunning. And I, I mentioned this before, I think I've been watching a lot of episodes of Eric Jacobus's podcast, Action yes. Talks, and he actually made kind of a bold and interesting, interesting statement. And I almost have to agree with him. Uh, and I forget which episode it was, so I apologize, where he talks about how Jackie never really looked comfortable doing shapes. And at first I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, as in traditional Kung Fu forms and shapes. But when you think about it, and even when he does, now that's not to say he didn't do an amazing job in traditional Kung Fu choreography, but sometimes like his athleticism was always there. The skills and ability were always there. But, you know, even like when you watch him do the snake form in the opening of uh, Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, I feel like that the same intensity isn't there that, say, his character in Dragon Fist has, where Jackie did a really good job with, like, the Southern hard styles, in my Mm -hmm. uh, opinion. That's true. And uh, I now reflect back, and I don't think I necessarily 100% agree, but I do agree somewhat that sometimes Jackie didn't have as much enthusiasm, I think, because I'm like, no, no, he was amazing in traditional Kung Fu choreography, which is true when you watch the fights and so forth. And especially when he had full creative control, like in Dragon Fist, uh, for the most part, obviously Lo Wei was directing, or Fearless Hyena, right? Two of my favorite old school Jackie roles. And then into the Young Master and so forth, where as opposed to traditional shapes, right? You know, I got the snake or I've got Hungar Tiger. It's more the athleticism that's on display. You know, it's... you're getting me to think and reflect uh, on this topic, but I, I think you're actually onto something. And I wonder if that has to do with the fact that Jackie was trying to separate himself from so many other performers. Possibly. So he knew that, like, I mean, obviously adding comedy and was was unique at that time to a lot of the choreography and then taking it up a notch and adding the, the stunt work in. Right. But also... Even so, two steps before that would be sort of that dynamic movement, the athletic movement, uh, 
heightening his strengths as opposed to that like the slower style of holding of holding animal shapes that's that's really that's something i'm gonna have to go back and and take a closer look at but i think you and and eric eric Jacobus are onto something. Well, that's him, not me. But the whole reason I bring that up, coming back now to Mong Hoi, is he doesn't have that same issue. So especially when he starts learning the the Buddha fist with uh, Chin Yuan Sang, they both look so comfortable doing a lot of these traditional shapes. And I really like the Buddhist fist shapes they do. It's a lot of curving of the body where, uh, you know, you obviously can't see this on the audio, but it's like they have their hands up here in yeah. Buddha positions. And it's almost like a thing of like a half moon type shape and then deep, low stances. And then where they're kicking up the dirt and it just adds a cool, fresh visual element, especially because this isn't the first time the Buddha palm or Buddha fist would be used or the last. And, you know, one of my, another one of the earliest old school Kung Fu movies I saw was the Buddha's fist, a Yuan Ping film, mm-hmm. uh, unrelated to this, but it's also, it's kind of a, a fresh element because especially, you know, late seventies, I mean, Lao Kar Lung with his, you know, Hungar style films are popular. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of animal stuff, but th- this is just kind of a, a fresh element. That's not, it's not Wing Chun, for example, which had started to slowly make its way uh, to the big screen. I mean, first with Warriors 2 and then even Incredible Kung Fu Master, Samuel Hung, another film he worked on. Uh, as in, once again, the the Hungar films of Lagar Lung, you know, uh, Snake and Eagle Shadow, Drunken Master. It, it's just cool. It's it's kind of, once again, as we said, the Lohan Fist by Huang Jiang Li was something unique and powerful for him. The Buddha's Fist is just something different. I really like what I would imagine is even in the throwdown between, uh, the first uh, throwdown between uh, Chin Yuan-Sang and... Huang Jing Li, they both do their kind of introduction stances and we get to see like the hard mm-hmm. uh, Lohan fist. But then I really like the the little intro for the Buddhist fist by Chen Yuan Song where he does the hand shapes like really fast and mm-hmm. the pose. And it's just, it's very cool. And it's almost like, did he just make that up on the spot? I'd imagine so. <laughs> and it, it's, it's very similar. And once again, we know how much Kung Fu films influenced breakdancing. I mean, that's been uh, portrayed in documentaries and so forth. Uh, I forget the, the recent one from a couple years back, which really had a whole segment on that where guys from that era talk about watching the Kung Fu movies, you know, 32nd Street or 42nd Street, excuse me, in New York, and then going out and replicating what they saw. And that's, you know, becomes breakdancing. And there, there's definitely that that visual aesthetic, that element that we as humans, we, we seem to like. Uh, I've always had a fascination with the human body in motion ever since I was a kid. That's why I was fascinated by fight scenes and music videos. And I think it's naturally an inherent quality we as humans have. So, and once again, there's there's a huge difference between someone that knows what they're doing and they're not doing. Like, you know, you look at a lot of 80s martial arts films with people that, especially when they started off, maybe not really knowing any martial arts, like, a, I don't know, Michael Dudikoff in American Ninja, right? And just <laughs> the, the, the difference between a lifelong trained expert and somebody that's not, we as viewers, it's not just a mental thing, it's a visual thing also. And mm-hmm. we can appreciate real skill and athleticism when well, we see it on screen. There's something, there's something to be said about, I think what's so, uh, what I appreciate so much about Hong Kong cinema is that it's steeped so much in traditional training and and passing and so a lot of the performers have that traditional chain training it's rooted to classical style so it's it's sort of you know i mean obviously i i'm partial to classical training i work at a classical music and dance school so i i love i love the tradition and it sort of reminds me even of like picasso right where he he trained traditionally, so there's, he he's he explored within the lines, and then what we have with '80s Hong Kong cinema is this explosion beyond the lines. Yeah, and it's the dynamic movement that we get from people who were traditionally trained, and even like I know we've talked about Michelle Yeoh not having a, uh, a martial arts background. But a dancer background, so they, right. the performers they bring in have all this tra- have these traditional trainings that are then used in new fashions and new new ways and new forms, and it's a. Uh, uh, so I guess I'm just sort of echoing what you say, like this. De- we have this appreciation of this dynamic movement uh, and and the body in motion, uh, and so to see that even in the opening sequence, the the 
uh, I, I, I'm going to use it, the, the term juxtaposition of like the hard styles versus the form styles. It's just really, it's really interesting and, and, and fun to watch because yeah, that's, that's one thing that um, these opening sequences do. They prepare the audience for what they're about to see because right. so, so often a lot of these films are introducing a new form or reintroducing a form and just getting the audience ready for what you're about, what they're about to experience. And then we can go into the story and develop the characters and then unleash that style as the film progresses. And you nailed it because obviously there, there's a sense of audience familiarity with the genre. They know like these different styles, as we said, even if it's something new, it's not the first time we've seen the Buddhist fist or this or that, but there's also certain audience expectations. They expect the setup for, okay, here's our intro like fight scene that has nothing to do with the, the rest of the film technically. Uh, but it's introducing us the styles we're going to see in the film. Okay, that's the basic premise. We've got this style versus that style. Okay, that's what that style kind of looks like. That's what that style kind of looks like. Okay, that's a rivalry. And now we're like maybe 100 years in the future or something. Okay, got it. And even though we don't need that, you know, it could have just been the narration and then segue into the film. That's what we as audience members expect to see. And it, it sets us up for a little introduction, mm-hmm. uh, a little action flavor right out the gate. Uh, a visually captivating introduction sequence that, you know, automatically as viewers catches our attention. Uh, And then in this case also segues into a little bit longer without really necessarily a whole lot of Kung Fu action. Now we should talk about uh, the finale that we get, which is in terms of old school Kung Fu cinema, you, if you are a fan, you'll absolutely love this finale. It's, it's the setup of the two masters start fighting. The good guy master is, pretty much defeated. And then the student, in this case, Xiao Hai, played by Mong Hoi, has to come in and save the day. And it's a very long extended fight sequence with that, as we have mentioned in the past, that three act structure, you know, they come in, it's like, okay, they're fighting even, but then, you know, Xiao Hai starts to get the best. Okay. Now the villain has to pull out his real secrets. And then the second act is him now getting the best of Xiao Hai, and then with the final act of Xiao Hai finally putting it all together to then defeat the evil prince. Uh, some great martial arts on display, obviously fantastic kicking by Huang Jingli, as always. He starts off, and once again, they save that for the second act of the fight, The a lot of his kicking stuff that he's known for. I think he does even like a triple kick. He might even call out like, this is my triple kick. And then he does the three kick. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe I'm mixing something up. But I, I remember I didn't get the chance to rewatch the finale. I was trying to, but we had to start recording. So uh, we, we, you definitely get to see Huang Jingli doing his amazing kicking uh, displays. You get to see Meng Hoi do some fantastic acrobatics. Uh, you get to see both of them utilize their style and then find the counter to that style. So it's really just a great back and forth. And once again, for those of you that are maybe familiar with Mong Hoi from his more contemporary roles, and you think, well, how could this guy hold up an entire film? Or how could he look believable against Huang Jing Li? Watch this film and you will see why he was so legendary and I think you'll be treated to possibly seeing Mong Hoi in a light you've never seen him in before, especially if you've obviously never watched Hell's Wind Staff or this film. Um, I think my takeaway of this film, it, 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 it kind of speaks to stuff we've, we've discussed before. I love a villain that needs something extra special to, to be defeated or to overcome. I mean, like we've talked about, one of my favorite final sequences, it kind of shows that the stars aren't as strong as the the villain, uh, Project A, where all three have to take on uh, Dick Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this film, I I love that it follows that same that same arc of your villain defeats the master, and now it's going to take a reset three act fight to defeat the villain because you know there's. There's just something very believable about that. And like we have a lot of martial art films in, you know, in the 90s and the 80s and even to up to today where in in the Western martial art films, we don't always get that. We usually get a great actor cast as your villain and, you know, then your your martial artist cast as the hero. This is not always the case. I know. And I, I, I mean, like we have the undefeatable, not undefeatable, but yes, undefeatable. Yeah. But we also have... Uh, Oh, I'm blanking. Come on. 
the boxing movie. Undisputed. Thank you. We have the undisputed uh, films, particularly two and three, that that show equal. I mean, one as well, but that's more of a boxing film. But show these equal, equal, equally talented performers and characters going against each other. But what I really appreciate about the Hong Kong martial art films is it does take something special, something special cinematically, something special choreographically, and also something special from the performers mm. uh, to overcome. And I think that's how you were able to attract such great villains. I mean, Billy Chow in Petty Cab Driver, Huang J. Lee in almost every yeah. film, right? I mean, yeah. he's such a phenomenal performer and to get to get an extended sequence with him is of course the training sequence earlier in the film and now this finale just uh as you would say worth the price of admission agreed agreed and i think that's uh a great spot to kind of wrap up discussing this film any final closing thoughts i think you just heard it yep and once again this film is available on 2b it might also be on prime uh i'm not sure i just 2b is like my go-to these days uh and yeah, definitely worth the watch. In terms of old school kung fu movies, I give this one, uh, it's a solid A minus, B plus. You know, it's, you are, if you're a fan of the genre, you will like watching this film. Now, is it a top 10 film of all time? Absolutely not. Top 20? Absolutely not. But it is a top uh, display of martial arts action. It is a great entry into the classic kung fu uh, movie genre. And I highly recommend that you watch it. So, uh, for language corner today, I'm, I don't think I've ever taught us this, but I think I, I decided I'll just teach us uh, the word for Buddhism. Oh, so quite simple. Once again, fo jiao, fo jiao. Yeah, so rising tone, fo, fo jiao, jiao, jiao is like uh, the word for like teach, or uh, it can also be religion. Like for example, jiao yan is coach. So fo jiao, fo jiao. There we go. I think I, if I'm not mistaken, in Japanese it's bukkyo. Okay, so that would maybe be the same characters, like bu. Yeah, maybe. And yeah. then kyo is like religion. Okay, I believe, I believe, but I'm going off the top of my head here, which can be a problem at times. Well, you you got a lot of great information in there. So uh, anyway, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be back next week in some capacity. So I'll talk to you later, my man. Looking forward to it. Peace.